0: When uh, when I was uh, growing up, my dad was always uh, he, when he would fix the car, he would fix the house, or whatever. He would always say, "Hey, come here! I want to show you how to do this." And I was always like, "No, <laughs> no, I'm not going to do that." And he's like, "Well, you need to learn how to fix things." I'm like, "No, no, I'll just get other people to." F- pay other people, I'm going to make a lot of money one day, and I'm just going to pay people to fix stuff for me, and that was kind of, so I never, and so fast forward to when I got, I got married, one of the things, one of the wedding gifts that we got, um, was a drill, um, and, uh, I'm thinking, this is the worst present, and, I mean, it, it's, you know, that and the China. We, I don't know, anybody else fight over should we not or should we not get China? Was it just me and Mike? Mike's the only one brave enough to admit it. And uh, we're not even going to use this. Why would we get. Anyway, so back to the drill. So I, got to, I was like, there's no way I'm going to ever want this drill. What a, you know, we put it aside. And then so a couple years later, we, we, we bought a house. And, and something needed to be fixed. And so, I'm. Th- I'm well, I've got this drill. So, hey, have it. So I'll fix it. And as I, as I began, as I plugged it in, it was, I plugged it in. I, you know, pushed the button a little bit. And I started to use it and, and fix this thing. I was like, wow, this is, this is kind of exciting. You know, you can, <laughs> things get broken, you can fix it. And I started going, I'm going to start fixing other things. And, um, and there was something about, you know, you guys seen the movie... Um, Chariots of Fire, about the runner guy, and he says, when I run, I feel his pleasure, and when I was fixing things, I felt his pleasure, and (laughs) I felt there was something in that that was like, this is a good thing to fix, and the reality is, um, it's true. Um, There's something in every single one of us uh, that wants to fix what is broken, and what I've woke up this morning, burdened to, to share with you, um, was that, because there's this vast, massive question uh, out there, and so, well, you know, how could a good God allow, you know, bad things to happen, and this world is, you know, how could there be a God, there's all this brokenness, and, you know, how could this all be the case. And, and, and so you've got that question. And then you've got this other question over here. It's like, you know, why am I here on earth? And what, what is my purpose? And uh, what am I supposed to do with my life? And, and, I, and I think what God wants to do with you, if you haven't done this yet, He wants to marry those two things together. That there is brokenness, that there is pain, there is suffering, there are things that need to be fixed. And I have called you to fix them. Um, 2 Corinthians 5 uh, 17. You, you can turn there if you want. Page 966 if you're using a black Bible, but I'll I'll uh just say it for us all. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, therefore, if anyone is in Christ anyone who is a Christian he is a new creation she is a new creation the old has passed away behold the new has come all this is from God. This is God's idea. This is his initiation. This is something he started, who through Christ reconciled us to himself. That is, it was because of Jesus. And we'll, at the end of all this, we're going to, the service today, we'll, we'll receive the Lord's Supper. And the reason why we do that is because it's through Jesus, it's through his broken body, through his blood, he reconciled us to himself and gave us so he saved us from something, but now he's going to save us to something. In that he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, those who have been separated from God, those who are uh, who have lost their way, they're going to be reunited, reconciled. The world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are His. Excuse me. Therefore, we are ambassadors for. Christ, ambassadors means, you know, your representative. God making his appeal through us. We, and this is the appeal, we implore you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake, this is, this is why it's all possible. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness uh, of God. And what I've learned it, and I hope you figure that. out. When God wants to display his glory, when God wants to fix what is broken, uh, when God wants to demonstrate his power, when God wants to make righteous what is unrighteous, what he does, his MO, his mode of operation is to use you and I. Uh, he uses you and I. Uh, that's how he does things. Um, if you want to know why you're here on earth, if you want to know what your purpose is, your purpose is to be first in a relationship with God. It is to be reconciled with God. That is what he's after. He's after every tribe, every tongue. He wants everybody. He wants to build a global family of people from all across the globe. He wants you to reconcile. He wants to reconcile you to himself. But that's not all of it. He wants then to make you the means or the conduit to which to by which people get reconciled. Therefore, making everything that is dark to be light, making everything to, that is to be um, painful and ugly and death to be life and beautiful again. Let me just show you, let me show you a few, I'm gonna go short, I think, it, today. Just a few stories uh, in scripture. Uh, page 46, you, you might wanna follow along with this. Page 46, Exodus 3. Okay, Exodus 3, uh, 7, um, through 12. Then the Lord, then the Lord said, uh, this is, he's talking to Moses, you'll figure that out soon. But then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and I've heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. Just like, Man, if you're suffering this morning, God just wants you to know that he's heard your cry. He heard your suffering. You know people who are suffering, you hear about the cries of injustice all across the globe. I just want you to know God hears them. He absolutely hears them. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you, I'm going to give you the kind of the blueprint of how he goes about taking care of the cries that he hears. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And all the other rights that you could find. And now behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. And I've also seen their oppression, which the Egyptians oppress them. So he's just repeating the idea that, hey, there's nothing goes by that I don't see. I feel it. I'm not aloof. In fact, I'm very motivated to do something about it, which is where verse 10 comes in. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out to Egypt? But he said, that is God, but I will be with you. So here's God. He's kind of wanting to flex his muscles a bit. He wants to go to Egypt, the most powerful nation of the world, the most advanced social structure in that era. He wants to go to them and he wants to demonstrate that I'm more powerful than you, uh, that these are my people. I love them. I know their oppression and I want to deliver them out of that. But what God doesn't do, he doesn't show up in Egypt and say, come on guys, we're going to get out of here. But he goes to Moses, him-o is, he goes to Moses and he uses people. He says to Moses, okay, go, go be me. I, I, I want to do this. I want to heal. I want to bring rescue. I want to bring re- restoration. Now go be me. And so Moses, he, he tells Moses this and Moses is like, uh, no, please. Um, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but my best friend is a sheep. And I don't really, <laughs> I, you know, I don't really know. And he begins to kind of discount himself. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever been in that moment where you just kind of, like, you discount yourself for what God wants to do in your life. Maybe because you don't feel like, like you do have a, a, a place in society. Like you're, you're, not, you're no one in this social structure. And so because you're, you, you feel like you're no one in our social structure, uh, that God could never use you. But I just want to say that Moses was a shepherd. And... Um, shepherd was not a great job it, it wasn't a it's not a sexy job now and it wasn't a sexy job then i mean there's no one saying oh you're a shepherd call me no one's like <laughs> no one's like fascinated by the idea that you're a shepherd there's no one That's not high up. And so if you are in that situation, like Moses, but uh, that, hey, you know, I'm discounted in life and God could never use me. He was a shepherd for 40 years. It wasn't like something he picked up. And like, oh, thank God that six months is over. This This was his identity. And maybe you just feel discounted, but God says, hey, I want you to go. I want you to go be my mouthpiece. I want you to be my conduit. And then he's like, I can't speak. And he's like, go anyway, for I will be with you. God heard the cries of the people. God heard the cries of the Egyptians. And he did not sit passively by. But what his MO is to do is he, he came to an individual and said, hey, I want you to go be me. Let me show you another one. Uh, turn to the right, Isaiah 6. Page 571. Isaiah 6, 8 through 9. This is very, very popular. If you've been around the church world for a while, if you haven't, um, it, it will be. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here, this is Isaiah, here, here am I, send me. And he said, go and say to the people, keep on hearing, but do not understand. And uh, some other things he says to him. So here's God's MO again. He's wanting to do something. The Israelites were in a place of uh, captivity. And, and, and God wanted to know that, hey, I'm not far away. I'm near. I still love you. I still want you to know that that I've not left you you know, who's going to go for us? Who's going to do this? And, and Isaiah's like, hey, you know, send me. And this is a little bit different than the Moses scenario because the, here uh, God doesn't commission Isaiah, but Isaiah volunteers. And I just want to say, man, God takes volunteers. Maybe you've been waiting around for God to tell you to do something, or maybe you've been waiting around for someone else to tell you what to do. I just want you to know that it is in the, um, the, the heart of God that you would see the world around you and you would take initiative. Um, I, I've studied Nehemiah in the past and the most, fascinating thing to me about Nehemiah. Nehemiah built, uh, if you're new to that story, Nehemiah built the walls of Jerusalem in 60 days, um, which was phenomenal considering all the constraints and the lack of of things that he had to do. But here's what's the most phenomenal thing about what Nehemiah did that's kind of unique in the Bible is that God never told him to do it. Not once did he, did God say, hey, Nehemiah, go rebuild this wall. Okay, I'm going to go do that. Not once did Nehemiah say, hey, God, you know, I'm this what I'm going to do. You okay with that? He just, it needed to be built. And he knew it was in the heart of God for it to be built. And he just built it. And there are things all around us that that there are just needs around us. And we don't need to wait for someone to say, hey, I want you to go do something about this. I want you to make this darkness light. You are the light of the world, God says to us. You, you, you are this light. Now don't hide it. Go be me in these areas. Nehemiah just went and did it. Second um, Corinthians eight seventeen. Paul's commending this, this young guy named Titus. And what he's commending him for, he says, he came to you. He's talking to the Corinthians. I says, he says, I love Titus because he came to you just with his own desire. We didn't tell him to come to you. He just, he just knew that you needed to be encouraged, and he came and he encouraged you. The Bible commends people who would volunteer because the MO of God is to use us to go be Him. He calls us to be His representatives. One more example, then we'll move on. Uh, Jeremiah 1, Jeremiah 1, page uh, 627. Uh, Jeremiah is known as the reluctant prophet. He's also a teenager. So anytime you go to like a youth event, you always hear from Jeremiah because you know people, this is how pastors work. It's like, well, I've got to talk to youth. What should I do? Okay, youth guy. Okay, that's what I'll do. I'll do Jeremiah. So Jeremiah 1, he's the reluctant prophet because he felt tricked by God. He felt like God had deceived him, that God told him something that was false, but he wasn't tricked. He just misheard, which happens all the time. Jeremiah 1 Four uh, page six, uh, 27. now the word of the Lord came to me. this is Jeremiah saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before uh, he just got just this him, and before you were born, I consecrated you, I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Ah, oh, Lord, God, behold, I do not know how to speak for i 'm only a youth see he 's the youth part uh, but the, but the Lord said to me, do not say i 'm only a youth for for to all to whom I send, you shall go, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you. God that's promise promised us. He is with us. Yes, I send you out like lamb, uh, sheep among wolves, excuse me, but I'll be with you. His promise is to always be with His promise to Moses was to be with him. His promise to Isaiah was to be with him. His promise to Jeremiah is to be with him. His promise to us is to be with to us. For I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have sent you this day over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and to overthrow and to build and to plant. So here we are again. Here's God's MO fleshing itself out again in this story, that God wants to go deliver a message. And what he doesn't do is show up. Hey, I'm God. Here I am. But what he does is he goes and he taps someone on the shoulder. He goes and says, hey, I want you to go be me. I want you to go be my mouthpiece. I want you to be my conduit. I want you to represent who I am in that neighborhood, in that town, in that city, in that group. So God go tells Jeremiah what every guy wants to hear. But Jeremiah goes and all he does, if you read on this story, he goes and tells us. He goes and does what God tells him to do, but then he gets beat up and thrown in a ditch. And he's like, hey, God, you know, you deceived me. That, that, the Hebrew word there is taha, which means to seduce. He says, God, you seduced me. You told me to go out, and then I could pluck up nations and ta- overthrow things. But every time I go out and speak up, I get beat up and thrown in a ditch. And um, I mean, what guy doesn't want to hear that? That you're going to have the power you have the power over nations and kingdoms to pluck up and break down, to destroy and to overthrow and plan. I mean, this is, this is what every guy wants to hear. I mean, what guys can be like, no, nah, I don't really feel like destroying stuff. I mean, it's just, no, nah, I'm all right. I mean, that's what, I mean, we've been destroying stuff since we were eight. It's just what we do. I mean, you get, you get three or four guys in a room and throwing boredom, something's catching on fire. And so we... <laughs> So he comes to him and says, hey, look, I want you to go be me. And yet he goes off and does it and it doesn't work out. And um, I think I just want to give us a little bit of warning because this sounds exciting. Hey, we can go be Jesus. We can go be God in the neighborhood. We can push back darkness. We can be light. But the reality is sometimes it goes terribly wrong and we can have this plastic view that you know, if God is on our side and God tells us to do something, then circumstantially it's all going to work out amazing. I mean, I didn't tell you the part about Moses, the way that story in Moses, God leads Moses up to a mountain, shows him the promised land and says, you're not going there and kills him. John the Baptist, Jesus said of John the Baptist, there's not a better, that I'll be next week, that there's not a better man born of a woman, yet he, his life ends in prison with his head cut off because some king had a little too much to drink. Sometimes we could do exactly what God tells us to do and it just doesn't go. And so what often happens uh, that I found in, in the church is that people, they try stuff and it doesn't go well. I'm never doing that again. I, 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 I told the people at my workplace about Jesus and all they did was make fun of me. I'll never do that again. I tried to witness to a friend, and and they cut me off. I'll never do that again. I did the straight and narrow, and it got me nowhere. In fact, I didn't get the promotion because I, I did what I was supposed to do. I'll never do that again. But yet, the MO of God is to use us. Now, God doesn't have to use us. Um, I didn't say this, but like, you know, in Sodom and Gomorrah, he just, you know, he just from heaven, just takes care of it. You know, he goes to uh, Belshazzar. This is kind of a weird story, and you can read about this in Daniel. Uh, he, he, when he wanted to deliver a message to them, he didn't use a message. He just skipped that whole, he just wrote on the wall. His hand comes out. I'm going to kill you. Exo, exo. God. And so like, that is, uh, Acts 17 says, He's not made by human hands as if he needed anything from you and I. But here's the thing. He just invites his children to play, to come and be something great. So anyway, so that is the MO in the Old Testament. And then the Old Testament goes silent for like 400 years. And then out of nowhere, we, we start to hear about this Messiah. And in John 1, 4-5 is a great summary of the impact of the life and ministry of Jesus. You don't need to turn there, I'll just say it for us. In him, that is Jesus, was life... And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So this is a testimony of Jesus that he was, uh, he was, um, he took on flesh and he walked this world. He lived a perfect life. He went and died on the cross. He was buried, and then he rose to new life. And on the cross, it says that uh, the the. The throat of the enemy was mortally slit, uh, that he destroyed darkness once and for all. But the problem with that is that when you and I look around, darkness is doing okay. Like, I don't know if you watch television, but when you look at, when you look at the news, I mean, darkness is doing okay. There isn't, in fact, it seems like it's getting worse and not better there's more to say to that, but let me just go back to my main point. Maybe God's MO hasn't changed. Maybe he's still asking, like he did in Isaiah 6, hey, who will, who will go for us? Who will go be me? Who will represent me? Yeah, I, I know the pains and the suffering in the world. I know the injustice, and it breaks my heart That's why I've come to you. That's why I've saved you. I've saved you, not just for you, so that somehow it would be, that my love would be a cul-de-sac inside of you, but it would be a conduit through which my love flows to other people. And there is darkness in this world. There is darkness in this city. And if you want to know why you woke up this morning breathing, it's because God wants you to go be him he wants you to represent him you see that's what it says in uh, 2nd Corinthians uh, 5 if you haven't um, it says in verse 20 therefore we are his ambassadors for Christ that is we are his representatives God making his appeal through us making his appeal through us have you ever like have you ever seen uh, i just thought of this so this analogy can go terribly wrong but like have you ever because all i can think about is a toilet and so have you ever like you're like i know you're trying sorry i shouldn't have said i told you it's going to go wrong and um you like, the, you try to, you, 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 like a funnel. You're trying to get something through something, but it, it clogs up. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Here, let me pray. Uh, never mind, okay. He wants to make his appeal through us, but the church is clogged up. And so... Aren't you glad you came? And so, gosh dang it! And uh, he wants to make it okay. I got to find another scripture. All right, God want God. Want, how can I say this now? I can't say anything. You, he wants us to represent him. Um and he doesn 't really have a plan B, yes, he could rip the sky open, yes, he could do all that stuff, but the way the, if if you want to like see the pattern of God and how things work a he doesn't he 's not ambivalent to the pain and the suffering in this world he's so I hear it, and I want to do something about it, and who will my m o is that is that i want I, I want to use you. I want you to be my mouthpiece. And we get this from Jesus. I mean, Jesus, it's like, you know, the the plan of salvation is that there is not one righteous. That's what we get out of Genesis 18. This is that whole place where like Abraham's like pleading with God not to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says, you know, he's supposed he's like, Hey, suppose there are 50 righteous. Will you destroy the city? He's like, no, I won't destroy it. There's 50. He goes, how about 45? No, 45. What about 30? What about 30? No, about 30. What about 20? No, 20. He's like, for the sake of 20. He's like, no, I won't do it for 20. And then he just stops. And then God destroys the city. And and I'll tell you the line of thinking, Abraham was thinking like, well, certainly if there's 50 righteous, you won't destroy it. Well, what about 40? Okay. Okay. Realistically, there's not 40. Okay. What about 30? Okay. And then he goes to 20. You would think him to say, you know, what about 10? And what about five? And what about one righteous? If we could just find one righteous person, will you not save the city? But here's the point. Abraham was never, Abraham knew that there wasn't even one righteous. And so here you have a world full of people that God, Sodom and Gomorrah is just us that God that that we all deserve to be destroyed. And God said, God made the deal with us. Look, if you can find one person on earth who's righteous, I will spare the whole world. The problem is there is none. So he says, who will go for us? And Jesus says, I will go. I will enter a time and space world I will take on flesh. And it says in our main passage, I don't, he who knew no sin became our son so that we could have the righteousness of God. So we have in our Savior someone who is willing to go and he was willing to go for us. And because he was willing to go for us, now he wants, he's our older brother. He's the one we look up to. He's the one he, we want to be like. We are Christians. We are Christ-like. We want to be like Jesus. And that means that we want to be just like him. And in the midst of darkness, just to say, hey, I have the, the life of Christ in me. We are now a new creation. That's what the passage says. The old is gone. Anyone who's in Christ is a completely new person. And because of Christ, we can, we can implore others be reconciled to Christ. And so God wants to use us. He wants to use you to be his ambassadors, to represent. And I want to ask you a question. Have you received this call to be an ambassador? I mean, darkness is everywhere. It's in our schools. It's in our workplace. It's in our neighborhoods. Um, there, there are victims of injustice all over the place. There's pain and hurt. There's suffering. There's inequality. There's all of that. We can talk forever about all the pain and the inequality, but here's what God wants to do business with you today. Are you ready to do something about it? Well, what can I do? Hey, you are a new, You are my ambassador. God says to you. Doesn't mean we go out in our strength. It doesn't mean we go out in our power. But it, it's it's Christ through us. It's 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 saying I will be. I will. I will stand in the gap. There are people hurting and Jesus is the answer. I will stand in the gap for them. I will tell them about Jesus. I will show them the love of Jesus. H- have you received that? Answers two big questions. Why is there suffering in the world? Why am I here on earth? This is what he wants to do. Just like when I got that oh man this, I got this this drill is like, you know, oh wait a minute, maybe I was created, maybe I, this is something awesome. And I think God has put something in you that you probably don't even know is there. And once you go out and start doing it, you're going to find that, man, would it, would it, I don't want to waste another second living for me when I can live for others. Now, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you a video here in a second because I want to lead us in a time uh, of, of prayer for parts of our world as well as I want to I wanna invite you this morning to take on this call. I'm going to show you a video of, of, um, of a message about martyrs and something that we know very little about. And I want to tie it in for us in terms of this message. Can we show that video? I'll come back up. We'll pray. To watch this video, please go to 21martyrs.com. And they sing a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll, to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and every language and people and nations. There's a group of people called the Moravians, and they were a a radical group that um, wanted to reach these islands. But the only way to get to those islands was to sell themselves into slavery. And so, taking on this M.O. of God, th- there's that question, well, who will go? Who will go and be me? Who will stand in the gap? Who will, who will represent me for them? And they, these young men said, we will go. And they sold themselves into slavery. And as they were leaving, as a ship, as the ship was leaving, they raised their hands and they raised their voice And they said, may the lamb receive the reward of his suffering. Which means that on the cross, that Jesus, it's very clear, he paid the price for the whole world. In Colossians 1, it says something strange. Paul says that that I fill up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. And it sounds crazy for someone to say that you that there 's something lacking in christ 's suffering and in his blood and his precious blood that there 's something lacking, but here 's what was lacking. What was lacking wasn 't that his blood was somehow insufficient, but what was lacking was the in person expression of that love. God had demonstrated his love once and for all on the cross he once and for all defeated death, defeated darkness once and for all. And now he's looking for people to go out and push back the darkness to go be him and to go and to tell other people, to represent him, to tell other people about his love and what he's done. And there are multiplied thousands of people throughout the centuries, including the ones that we just saw, who took that message to their death. And one of the things that, I want to say to us because sometimes we look at stuff like, oh, you know, poor them, you know, you know, and we need to pray for them we need to pray for their families. And, you know, you know, we we should feel fortunate that we can, we could speak our minds freely. We could say what we want, but the reality is, is I don't want this kind of American dream of, of ease and, and comfort and emptiness, To rob any of you of the extreme reward that he has, the the delight of knowing that you could be used to change someone's forevers, and they live next door, and they work with you, and they're at your school, they're your brother, they're their uncle, they're your son, they're your dad. That he wants to use you to stand in the gap. It, it, we, we, the, it doesn't feel this way, but that there is out there people whose forevers hangs in the balance. And I just want to inspire you. I want to show you that the heart of God is He wants to use you to end their suffering. Why don't you we stand?